he made this look like something for short people. Like, he made it look like this thing was tiny. And I'm over here barely getting over this. So I thought it was pretty fun. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be different when I'm up there. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, everyone, for being here today. We, you guys can all be seated. I try not to be the one that makes you stand all day. It does feel good to be here. On a, it was a beautiful Thursday. It was a beautiful day today, and it's a beautiful day to be in the house of God. And I'm continuously reminded how blessed I am to be a part of this church and be a part of this congregation and know that I feel the love from all of you guys and the prayer from every single one of you. And from my heart and my wife's heart, we just want to say thank you for believing in, the, believing in us and praying for our church. We're excited for what God is doing in Manuka. So with that, I'm going to jump right in. Hope that's okay. Cohen told me I need to preach for about an hour so they have plenty of time in kids' church. So buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. He did tell me that. I'm like, buddy, I can't promise you anything. I always tell people if they don't get it in 10 minutes, they're not going to get it in 20 minutes. They're not going to get it in 20 minutes. They're not going to get it in 40 minutes. So hopefully you guys get it within the first five minutes of what I have to say. No, but tonight I would like to preach on this title, Don't Forget Your Promise. The title changed a little bit. I felt like I wanted this title to be Don't Lose the Hunger. But, you know, then we had pastor here preaching about food and dieting, and I'm like, I don't know. And then Brother Mitch was talking about diabetes, and I'm like, I can't make another title about food and hunger so I'm just going to preach, don't forget the promise. There was a man named Robert Robinson. He was from England, and he pastored a church out there in the 18th century. Not only was he a gifted pastor, he was also a great preacher and a highly gifted poet and hymn writer. However, after many years in his ministry, his faith began to drift away. He ended up leaving his church and leaving his ministry and finding himself in France. And while he was there, he indulged himself in sin. One night, he was riding in a carriage with a young lady who had recently just been converted into Christianity. She was very interested in this man's opinion on some poetry that she was reading. And the, poet, the poem went this way, Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never failing. Call for the hymns of the loudest praise. And when she looked up after reading this poem, she noticed that Mr. Robinson had tears flowing down his face. And she asked him, what did you think of it? She was interested to hear what he had to say about what she just read. And he said in a broken voice, I wrote it. But now I've drifted away from him and I cannot find my way back. And she replies to him, but don't you see? The way back is written right here on the third line of your poem. You, play, you put it in plain sight in your own poem on how to come back. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Those streams were there. She reminded him that night. And it says that he recommitted to God that night. 
We have all been given a promise, haven't we? We've all been given something from God. Every single one of us have heard or felt or noticed just something about what God can do in our lives. We are all chosen to do something. We are all called to do something. And I love this church so much. I've been in this church for 23 years. Feels like my whole life. I feel like this is the only church I've ever been to. But in those years, I've seen the promises be fulfilled. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen people come from nowhere to become something in God. I've seen it happen. But as the positive of it, I have seen people walk away from that same promise. I've seen them fall out of church and walk out on God. I've seen it in Bible college, the people that I went to school with. I, I watched them and see them fade away into the world. The promise was there. The calling was there. But they began to forget what God promised them. We cannot forget what God has called us and what God has promised us. We can never fall away from it. But if you have, if you are, if you're dealing with it, God is already waiting for you. God is saying it's not too late. God is saying it's time to come home. As long as you remember the promise, as long as you remember the calling, God is saying, I am right here waiting for you. I don't have the time put into ministry that other people have in this church. If you count my four and a half, five years as youth ministry, I'd probably say I got a year and a half of experience of ministry. Because the other half, I feel like I didn't know what I was doing. But I've been able to pastor a church for three and a half years. And I've been able to be in ministry for most of my life. I've seen things. I've heard things. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the wisest. But I've seen things from God. And I can see that sometimes our ministry can hinder us from our promises. I'm going to say that again. Our ministry can hinder the promise of God in our life. I'm going somewhere with it, don't worry. But we cannot let the things that we think we're doing hinder us from what God is truly trying to do. For that God is doing something for a purpose for his kingdom. And we can get so caught up in what we're doing for our own kingdom. God is reminding us today, don't forget the promise. Don't forget where I brought you from. Don't forget what you have been through. There was a man named Saul. He was the first king of Israel. He had a promise and he had a downfall. He had the anointing and he saw the curse. He went from one end to the other. At a young age, he was considered, I'm sorry if I'm too loud, I'm used to not preaching with a microphone. If I'm loud, you can turn me down. He was considered at a young age as good. In the Bible, it says gooder. And I thought it was so funny. I'm like, I'm not reading that out loud. 
And he, he, they say that he was higher. He was elevated to a He was a God-fearing individual. My God, he, he was fearing. He feared God. He was a God-fearing individual. And he had a promise from the Lord to be the king. For that they were in disarray before this moment. They had confusion. They had the judges. And, and I'm not getting all into that, but there was just so much. They said, we need a leader. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1 through 6, I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. Sorry, Brother Mitch. I took what you said to heart. And I heard uh, Brother, Brother Bernard say, it's okay. We don't need to hide behind the these and the thous. And he's our boss, so I listen to him. In this scripture, this is Samuel anointing Saul. So bear with me. There's a lot of information here. But this is like the process that we go through when God anoints us. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because of the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you'll find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin and Zelah, and, you will say to th- and they will say to you, The donkeys which you had looked for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about those donkeys and now is worried about you saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the Terabith tree of Tabor. And three men are going to come up to you the God of Beth- uh, from God at Bethel and they will meet you. One carrying three goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will then greet you. And the two loaves, of, and they will give you the two loaves of bread, and you shall receive them. After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistines garrison, and it will happen when you have come to their city. And then you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with string instruments, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and then you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. There's a, lot to, there's a lot to take in in this scripture. I, I know that. But what I feel when I read it is that that is the transformation that God gives us when he is about to fulfill our promise. It takes steps. There's things that we have to do. This was before he became the king. He had to go through a process to get to his promise. There was things that we have to do. We have to put an effort out. Just as they did in this, in this story, that Saul had his anointing upon him for that he was to be the next king. The first, the one that God sought out. Think about it. He wasn't just some regular guy. He was someone that God saw and said, I want him. I'm going to anoint him. I'm going to bless him, and he's going to do great things. He had such a promise. He had such a purpose. He had such a calling, something so great and so heavy and so big. I couldn't imagine being in his shoes in those days when he had to go through that process. And on his first day as king, he declared that he would not kill a man that day, for it was a time to rejoice. They went to the altar and sacrificed a peace offering before the Lord. And all of the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Saul was standing in front of an altar where he began his reign. There is just something about standing in front of an altar. 
Yes, our altar is worked a little different than they did back in the back in the Old Testament. But it's the same idea. It's the exact same idea. When God fulfills a promise, we are we should always be prepared to find an altar. When God begins to move on us, we should always find an altar. There's a reason why the first day in leadership, he said, I'm going to go to the altar and we're going to sacrifice. We're going to do something great for God is fulfilling a promise. We're supposed to get excited and rejoice and run to an altar. That's what we are supposed to do. <clears throat> and that is exactly what they did. They, all, they found whatever they needed to give back to God for the blessings that God has done for them. We have to do the same in this day, that when God blesses us, we need to find an altar and give it back to God and say, God, you've done it. This isn't a place just for when good things happen or bad things happen, but it's a place for when good things happen. In the book of Genesis, I won't get into the scripture, but we all know the story of Noah. The first thing he did when he got off that boat, he built an altar. He didn't build a home. He didn't go hunting for animals. He didn't go try to scavenge or some things, but he built an altar. Why? Because God fulfilled a promise, and he knew exactly what he needed to do. God protected my family, he was saying. God watched over my family. God got us through that storm. I want to give back to him. I want to pray to him. I want to exalt him. There is something powerful about this area. It might look generic. It might look like something you've seen before. But there is just something spiritual about the altar. It gets overlooked in so many places. I've been to churches where they don't even come to the altar. They don't even acknowledge that it exists. There's a point. There's a reason why we have it. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 through 15. The scripture about how powerful it is when we walk up to an altar. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive of their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayers made in this place. I believe that God is saying, when you come to this altar, he says, my ear starts to ring. When you come to this altar, he says, I begin to feel it. When you come to this altar, he hears your cries. He's saying, don't forget your promise. Come up to this place. Get your refilling. Get your renewing. Don't forget it. Don't forget what it's like when you come to the altar. God appeared to Solomon in this chapter and he was telling him the promises that were made when you come here. If you make an effort, if you take time to come up, if you just put some work and to come up, I will be attentive. I will listen. I will hear. I will anoint. I will refill. I will rejuvenate. I will be there for you. No, this is not just a design to make it look pretty. This isn't just a thing that we can put speakers and and water and put. That's not what it's for. But it's for the broken. It's for the ones that are fulfilled. They're the ones that fell away. It's for everyone in this place. No one is bigger than this altar. Hallelujah. 
you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Don't make this your place where you only run to when you're sick. Don't make this a place where you only run to when life has gone bad. Don't make this a place where you just cry out to God for your troubles. That's not what Noah did. That's not what Saul, King Saul did. He said, no, we're going to rejoice at the altar. We're going to give everything we have in an altar because God has fulfilled his promise. God has done a work in my life. I want to come here. I want to praise God. I want to give everything back to him. That's why we need to not hesitate to come to an altar. It's okay to run to the altar because we're saying, God, I need you. God, I love you. God, I need you so bad. Even though you've been blessing me, I want to give back to you. We could never forget the importance that we have here. The connection that we get between you and God is so powerful. This is a place where God can heal you. This is a place where God can call you. When I think about this very altar in this place, right here, right on this corner, I pray to God and said, God, I'm going to pastor a church one day. God, I'm going to start a church in your name right here. I wrote it down. I will never forget it. And it happened in an altar. And you know what? I want to rejoice on what God has done. I want to rejoice on what he is doing. This is where it happens. This is where it begins. And this is where it ends. When when you're praying, God, help me, you should be in an altar. And when God helps you, you should be saying, thank you, in an altar. It shouldn't be a one-time thing. It shouldn't be something you do because I'm sad. No, it should be something you do with excitement and joy and love. Don't forget the promise. As we take a look again at King Saul, that he was anointed by God. He was called to be the king of Israel. He was fulfilling prophecy. He was doing things that was spoken about. He was called so mightily by God. He had everything that he needed to do. He knew exactly what he needed to do. He was leading the nation. He was doing what God called him to do. But over those years, those 40 years, he slowly began to forget about the altar. He began to forget about the promise. He thought he was bigger than God. He began to think, I'm bigger than this altar because look at me, I'm the king of a nation. Look at me, I have a title. Look at me, I have a name. And he began to take that power and get a little hungry about that power and lost his hunger for God. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, 26 through 28, This is the downfall right here. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away, and Saul seized the edge of his robe and tore it. Listen to this next verse, church. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. And has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better 
than you. Who is better than you? He ripped the promise away and gave it to somebody else. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the position that you are in. If God does not see you fit, if God sees that you forgot about the altar, if God says you're not even seeing the promises anymore, you're not even seeing the call anymore, he will take it away from you and give it to somebody else. Saul let his power, his opportunity become bigger than the altar, become bigger than God in his own mind. This is what happens when we forget our promise. This is what happens when we let the title of our ministry get to us. I'm so happy that I get to do this on a Thursday night because this is the core of this church. There's people that I was raised under in this church that I still look up to today. There's people that have been through it, that have gone through it and gone through everything you could think of, and that you are not exempt from it. I'm not exempt from it. Pastor Anthony would sit there and say, I'm not exempt from it. When God opens a door to ministry, you got to keep it to God. you got to let God use you in it. You cannot take it for yourself. It's not yours. It is not yours to have. I always say, why do people pastor churches when they're not called to do it? I'm in the grind. I'm in it right now. I'm in the field. I'm in the missions field. I see it. I feel it. I, I hear it. And I cry, God, I'm so glad you called me. But God, why would anyone do this? It's not about the title. I don't care about the title if that's in front of my name. It doesn't do anything for me. But people take it and they forget about everything else because, oh, this is who I am. This is what God called me to be. If you are called to be a preacher and called to be a pastor, called to be a teacher, if you're called to be an usher, you're called to be a saint of God, don't let that title take over your life. Because God, as quickly as he gave it to you, can take it away from you. If you begin to forget the promise, if you begin to think I'm better than this altar, I'm better than God, if you begin with that mindset, God says, give me that, I'm going to give it to the next person because you don't deserve it. He will rip it right from you. It is real. And I'm thankful he is that way. It's not time to play games. It's not time to play church. For that we are the church and we need to understand that the power of God is real. And that we need to continuously be seeking after him and stop seeking after titles. Here's what happens. I've seen it. I've seen it. An altar call will come. The pastor or the preacher will preach. It's someone that is in ministry, someone that is in leadership, is too afraid to go to the altar. They're too embarrassed to come to the altar because they're so worried about their title. They're so worried about what people are going to think of them. And then they begin to fall away because they got embarrassed. I don't want someone to know that there's something wrong. I don't want someone to know that I'm going through something. I'm too afraid and too ashamed to pray to God. 
It's not about what people think. It's not about what the person next to you is going to think of you. It's about your soul, and it is about your ministry that God has given you. God has given you an opportunity to come to an altar to protect you. So he can grab a hold of you and say, it's okay, child. I'm here. I love you. I see you. You can also turn into this way. I don't need to go to the altar. I know what I'm doing with my life. I I know God has called me to do something, and you begin to think I don't need to. I'm going to stand back and see if someone needs me to pray for them. I'm not against uh, altar workers. I'm not against that at all. I'm an advocate of it. I want it. We need them. We need to do it. But if you get so caught up in being an altar worker that you forget to get your refilling and you're praying with people with doubt, you're praying with people with confusion, I'm telling you, church, this is where you need to go before you even lay hands on somebody else. I don't care. That, I'm a, that my title's a pastor. I don't care that people see me as a preacher. I don't care what people see me as. I will make sure my face is in an altar. I don't care if you think, I wonder what he did yesterday. I don't care if you wonder if he's fallen in the will of God. No, I want my face to be in an altar. I don't care about my status. I just care about what God sees me as. You will never be bigger than this. You'll never be bigger than God for that when you think you are, he threw the devil straight out of hell. He will take your ministry right off of you. Saul rejected God and God rejected him. It happens that quick. We can never forget. We can never overlook. We can never deny the promise of God. I would hate to see someone that has so much promise and such a mighty calling have it ripped away and given to somebody else. I always feel I don't want nobody to take what God gave me. It's the only time I feel right to be selfish. I don't want no one else to start a church in Manuka. So I'm going to make sure I know my place on an altar. I'm going to know my place with God because this is what God called me to do. This is what God is desiring my family to do. I don't want to lose it because I got too big. I don't want to lose it because I thought I was better than somebody. We overlook it. We don't understand it sometimes. Sometimes we've been so caught up in church that we forget the true meaning of what it means to come here. There is something special, something powerful. There's just something that happens when you take your first step away from your pew. When you take that, indicate like I'm going to the altar. God begins to move. Just like it took effort for Saul to get to his promise. It takes effort for us to get to the altar. It takes us effort for God to fulfill things in our lives. We have to make the move. We have to not sit back and say, I'll come back later. There is such a rush. There is such an anointing when you know I need to get up there. In the book of Isaiah, it mentions the power of God and what happens in the spirit world when you come to an altar. 
In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6 through 7, Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sins are purged. I read this scripture. I'm like, I want to know more about what this is trying to, what this is trying to talk to me about. The fire that is burning the coal is what's going to purify us. That's the process of the Spirit preparing us for the anointing. It's okay to come to the altar and feel it. It's okay to say it's a, it hurts a little bit because God is saying, I'm trying to purify you so you can get to the promise. The call to ministry sometimes can be overwhelming. The call to ministry can sometimes make you tired and it can drag you out and you can feel burnt out. It says, come to the altar and I will refill you. I will, re- I will give you new. I will give you the renewing that you need. I will prepare a place for you to find the comfort that you need. We cannot be ashamed to come to an altar. We cannot be ashamed to do it. It's okay. If you haven't spoken in tongues in a while, it's okay today to come back to the altar and say, God, I want a refilling of what you have for me. If you haven't cried a tear and you feel like I, I, I don't have a reason to go up there because I just feel so dead inside, you should be the first one running to the altar. The importance of it is so mighty. It is so mighty. God desires us to come. He desires us to be in his presence. This is my Eric analogy. This is what I envision of what an altar is like. Of a wall of angels starting from that wall, ending to that wall, side by side, standing one by one, lined up. Now don't sit there and think of an angel as being my size. Think of an angel being twice the size of Brother Mitch. Do you all believe in angels? I sure do. Use your imagination right now because this this is where we need to be at. One by one, standing, arm in arm together, protecting this place. No, they're not protecting behind you. They didn't start on the, they're right here. All the way to that wall, to that wall. That should give us some comfort. And this is what we need to realize is that when you come through and you walk through that angelic wall, that anxiety cannot come to you. No demonic spirit can penetrate through that wall. Your anger will never be able to survive going through that wall. Your depression will never be able to come in to this place. Everything that you deal with out there will never have access up here. For that God is saying, I have got a protection, a wall of protection for when you come to this altar. It's more than just wood. It's more than just carpet. It's more than what we just see and what we know. It is something of the supernatural that when we walk through the wall of the angels, we should be able to know that God is in our heart, that we should begin to remember the promises of God and that whatever is attacking you out there cannot enter into this place. 
so there when you give it to God, when you sacrifice it back to the Lord, when you lay it on an altar, it cannot escape back to you. It has to stay. It has to die. It cannot grab a hold of you anymore. You when you walk into the presence, when you walk through this place, God is saying, please, see what you're doing. See what you, I see. God is trying to open up our eyes today. I don't care if you've been in church for the whole, your whole life. You're not above what God is trying to do. We should all be saying, God, renew me every chance I get. Make an effort. Make an effort to say that. Make an effort to an altar. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what someone has to say. Don't worry about what your title is by your name. We cannot be ashamed of God. We cannot be embarrassed to come to God. Yes, this happens in people's minds. This is a battle in some people's hearts that we get ashamed and embarrassed. But when you really think about it, we're embarrassed to enter into the supernatural. We're ashamed to get into the glory of God. We're ashamed to give everything back to him. I don't want any of us to ever stop. I don't want any of us to ever sit there and think I'm bigger. I don't want anyone to think I'm better. I don't need that altar. I'm just going to pray for people. For God has anointed me in my hand, will lay on their head, and they will receive. That is not the will of God. God says your hand will be from me, and my power will go through you. It's not the power of you, but it's the power of God. I knew how long my message was going to be, and I knew how it was going to work, and I feel today that I want to take advantage of every bit of time that we have today. If we could all stand. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 7, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Our God cares for us. Why are we ashamed? Why are we embarrassed? He cares for you. He desires us to find this place. He desires us to come to an altar. He desires us to never forget the promise. I don't know what you, every, anybody in this room is dealing with. I don't know what God has called some of you to do, but I don't want you ever to forget it. I don't ever want you to think, I've already done it, I'm above it. I don't want you to stay again to doubt that God can do it. The presence of God is here. The angels are right now, stay, use your minds today. The angels are here. They're wall, hand to hand, wall to wall, protecting what will happen today. If you need to be renewed, if you need to be refilled, if you just need to find refuge, if you just want to find peace, if you just want to find the love, if you just want to find the grace of God, come to this altar. Bow before the king. Give it all back to God. Don't be embarrassed to fall to your face. Don't be embarrassed to begin to weep before the Lord.
This altar is open right now. I want us to be able to say, God, I want you to renew me. God, I don't want the mindset of my ministry to take over my promise. God, I'm not bigger than you. I'm not bigger than this altar. I want us all right now, God, let us cast all our cares. Let us cast all our worries. Let us give it all to you, God, for that you have blessed us with a promise. You have blessed us with a calling, God. Praise you, God.